welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil, and I credit today's film with actually making me like The Big Country by Talking Heads, <laughs> which is a song that I never liked by them until this movie. Oh, uh, that's very interesting. That's it's very not interesting. a typical song by them. It is not. Especially from that period. It is not. Uh, no, but I think they, I think they picked a few off-kilter songs from the the folks that they were represented in the film, the bands that were represented in the film. Mm-hmm. Others that were a little more well-known for those given bands. Right. Uh, I'm Andrew. I'm your other co-host. And the director of this film is not to be confused with the bassist from R.E.M. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite band or one of my favorite I, bands. I was so excited when I first learned about this director named Mike Mills. I was like, Wow. The basis from REM is making movies. That is so cool. <laughs> um, but you no, it is a, it's a completely different person. I mean, 100%. Yeah, 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 100% different. No relation to the basis from REM. No relation, no relation. But on the, the topic of music, since both of our <laughs> uh, openings had to do with music, I'm going to make uh, a prediction, Phil, that yeah. you may have thought very positively about this film based solely on the soundtrack i'm not solely a fan of music uh i think it takes more than music to make a movie great it's got a good Uh, soundtrack though. oh sure but i actually take umbrage with the way the music is used in this film Ooh. okay Uh, all right very exciting enough teasing of the audience we're talking about the film 20th century women um before we actually get into a discussion about the film though i want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web you can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. We also have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In The Q. It's Q-U-E-U-E. That's how that's spelled. And on our blog and Facebook page, you can leave comments. You can find all of our episodes. And if you ever want to be on the show with us and discuss the movie of your choice, uh, contact us via Facebook. We'd be happy to have you on. Also, we are on Twitter. Our handle is at ITQ Podcast, and also we're on iTunes, and you can find our podcast on the Overcast and Podcast apps, so mm-hmm. uh, you can find us out there. And once again, the movie we're talking about today is Mike Mills, not the R.E.M. basis film 20th Century Women. When you were born, I told you life was very big and unknown. There were animals and cities and music. You'd fall in love, have passions, have meaning. But now it's 1979 and nothing means anything. And I know you less every day. I think maybe you guys can help me with Jamie. How do you be a good man? What does that even mean nowadays? Don't you need a man to raise a man? No, I don't think so. I think you're what's going to work for him. You just feel guilty because it's just me and you. You don't know what I'm feeling. Men always feel like they have to fix things for women or they're not doing anything. Just be there. Somehow that's hard for all of you. No, I'm not all men. Okay, I'm just me. Well, yes and no. I see the shapes. Having a kid seems like the hardest thing how much you love the kid you're just 
pretty much screwed. You get to see him out in the world as a person. I never will. What about you? It's always about the mother. Okay, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Sweetie, I don't know if we ever figure our lives out. And the people who help you, they might not be who you thought or wanted. They might just be the people who show up. Jamie, I also want to say never have sex with just the vagina. You have to have sex with the whole woman. That's slightly off topic. <laughs> That last line got uh, a chorus of giggles in the theater I was in at the Up, time. Uproarious laughter. Yeah, uh, I saw that with a group of, I guess you called them 20th century or 21st century women, and they all laughed at that line. Interesting. I, my crowd was uh, very 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're 21st century in the sense that they're alive and it's the 21st century. Well, what I'm saying is that it was an old crowd where I, oh, gotcha. <laughs> where I went. You know, this movie it has a very uh, it has a very good rating on IMDb, yeah. but it's got very few votes, which surprises me that more, not more people have really discovered this movie yet. It's only got a little over two thousand votes. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a little confounding, especially because it had uh, going into awards season a much lauded performance by Annette Bening that mm -hmm. many people thought was going to garner an Oscar nomination. Yeah, and that would have been her fifth nomination. I mean, she's been, been nominated several times and never yeah. won. Uh, and it's it, what it did secure at the Oscars this year was a Best Original Screenplay nod, which I always feel like that's kind of like the miscongeniality award for a lot of <laughs> indie films. Like, yeah. we really liked your movie, but there was no real room to honor the many facets of the film. So we're just giving you the one award for yeah. best screenplay. It, it seems to be the one category where you can, you can find that movie that gosh, you, you just wish, I mean, ex machina was the one for me. You yeah. Know, that, at least they had a special effects nomination. That's true. And a win for special effects. Yeah, that's true. They did. Um, the movie 20th century women is a bittersweet comedy. Um, takes place in 1979 in Santa Barbara, California, mm -hmm. and it's about uh, uh, a sort of an unconventional family. You've got uh, a young man um, played by newcomer Lucas Jade Zuman, whose name is Jamie, and he's mm -hmm. raised by his single mom, played by Annette Benning, her name is Dorothea. And uh, Dorothea realizes that as her son is kind of maturing and going through puberty, uh, she feels like she needs some help to uh, to raise him into a, a man and to mm -hmm. be a good man. Mm -hmm. So she enlists the help of a couple other 20th century women. One is played by Greta Gerwig, who is a, a an older woman in her 20s who, who boards uh, a room in their house. And then she also enlists uh, Julie, played by Elle Fanning, who is uh, a teenager who hangs out with Jamie uh, quite a bit. But although the mother isn't quite aware of the full breadth of their relationship. And so what you end up having is a film that is written and directed by a man who lived through the, that time mm -hmm. in that place mm -hmm. with 
very similar figures in his life. And this is a very personal film by Mike Mills. And uh, I have a couple things that's that are on my mind about this movie. Mm. Now, this this movie, it it kind of appeals to two different types of person. It appeals to people who grew up and lived through that time. Sure. And it's it's peppered with all kinds of almost documentary like references to Jimmy Carter. Sure. To uh, documentaries and books of the time. It's uh, it's kind of like a Valentine to the youth, the director, um, and the music especially. Uh, but at the same time, you know, not everybody who sees this movie is going to be uh, a child of that era. And <laughs> sure. the, people who, the people who are going to gravitate towards it, and I am one of those people, are going to be the, the hipsters, the millennials, who get a big kick out of seeing and hearing how did people listen to Talking Heads back in the 70s. <laughs> Black flag. Uh, what were what were pregnancy tests like? What were the, what was the the rest of the music and art scene like, especially in California, in Southern California? Sure. And so it's it's a the 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 appeal of the film is kind of two pronged, I think. And the only issue I had about the the way the music is portrayed is that the the music supervisor or whomever assembled this great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of squandered the potential of the music. And what you've got is not a lot of music that, uh, that informs the filmmaking, but you've got basically scenes of people listening to the music and occasionally dancing it out. And when the, once the music started playing in the theater, like, like Black Flag and Devo and, and some really obs- more obscure heads tunes, I was just like, Raincoats. I was jazzed. I was ready to go. Sure. Uh, but but uh, rather than other filmmakers like Kubrick or Lynch or Tarantino, uh, Mike Mills doesn't use the music as part of his style of filmmaking. It's kind of just kind of hangs there. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I found this movie to be f- pretty fun and entertaining. Um, but at the same time, I kind of feel like it looks at this time period through the prism of history and sure. is sometimes is occasionally a little bit too sort of uh, pedantic to people who've who've lived through that time and like oh let's let's have a laugh about how funny this was back then let's have a let's be nostalgic about this and there's it's kind of like the reminiscences of this writer director and it's it's so kind of I don't know. I feel like it's it. I feel like I've basically made my point about how it's either going to be valued by people who live through the time or people who are fascinated by the culture of the time but never actually lived through it. Uh, yeah, I think you have made that point. I, I I'm not sure that I am a hundred percent on the same page with you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't think that it was fetishizing the relics of the past. In fact. When I was watching this film, there was very little time that I was spent being reminded of the time period. In fact, I think that the music was the primary grounding point for the time and place of this movie. Um, You know, I I mean, obviously they were using, you know, telephones that don't exist Mm -hmm. today. They 
didn't have cell phones and they are using things, as you said, like pregnancy tests that are seem archaic by today's <laughs> standards. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it didn't feel to me like it was sort of, um, waxing nostalgic about that time or that place. I felt like it, it, it was a true period piece. It, it was just a story of three women, primarily, and one young man, mm-hmm. uh, who were very like the, like this is the time that they lived in. But it didn't feel like the movie dwelled on that too terribly much. I felt like it was a very. I felt like it was a character study. It, it was about the characters more than it was about the time or the place or any of that kind of stuff. And I don't think that. Uh, that I felt that I was uh, constantly being reminded of of when we were. Interesting. So much as I was being reminded of who these characters are. I I did feel it though. I think that yeah 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 it I was understand. it was definitely a character study and Annette Bening is is excellent in this movie. She is, and it's she's at kind of the, at the center of the whole thing, um, but I feel like. I think it was definitely on the mind of Mike Mills when he was writing this screenplay is to, well, cause the story is heavy and it's, it, it, it veers towards tragedy and there's a lot of things going on. And most of the humor in the film, not most of it, but some of the humor had to do with this like running thread of the, the books they were reading, mm-hmm. the music they listened to, the mm-hmm. movies that were coming out, the president, the speeches by the president, um, the attitudes of the time, you know, the sexual mores of the time. Like there's like this running thread of that throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, he, I mean, he could have just, he could have just said it in the present day. But that wouldn't have satisfied, I think, his, I think, his desire to reminisce. And his previous film, Beginners, was a love letter to his dad and to his, yeah, yeah, his relationship with his father. So I think he's definitely that kind of a filmmaker who who takes his experience, his past, and then turns into a little movie every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess for me, the way that it seemed to me was that the film was very. Uh, the the content of the film dictated the time in which it took place rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you're you're sort of viewing it from the other way around, where you think that like the time and the setting and the music and the atmosphere was the most important thing, and then the story got laid on top of that. I feel like the the story was one that could have only taken place in that time and place. It's uh, kind of like a chicken and the egg argument, I think. I mean, <laughs> we don't really know what his process was. Sure, I mean, sure, sure. He, he probably did have the... Well, it's hard to know if it was the characters that came first or the setting that came first. Yeah. But either way, um, if you have two people who each have the opposite position, it's probably not worth dwelling on too much longer. <laughs> well, no, um, it's... Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we clearly sort of see it in a different way. Um, but I think, I mean, you, you were saying that you enjoyed the film, right? Nevertheless, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, but I kind of felt it was, I don't know. I used the word <laughs> hipster in not a completely flattering way. Oh, okay. Uh, I feel like this type of movie where you've got the screenplay is very tightly constructed where there's a narrator or multiple narrators. Sure. And, and 
it just kind of explores many different characters. I felt like it was informed by the Royal Tenenbaums. And, and then it got me thinking about like other films that kind of follow this same sort of exploration of, of like quirky white people and, and all their um, humor and, and foibles and the music they listen to. And yeah. um, of course the style, the filmmaking style is not Wes Anderson-y at all. No, not even uh, close. But I felt, <laughs> I felt like um, this was kind of a, a type of story that we've seen before. Not exactly the same way that we've seen before, but it's a kind of movie that um, I feel like it's a little bit um, solipsistic, to use that word. Yeah, uh, it's a little yeah. bit insular. Some people have argued that that's what Santa Barbara is like or was like <laughs> in 1979. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I actually that. I live in California now, and I was kind of jazz when they started talking about places that I've been like San Luis Obispo. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but in the end, the movie kind of in my memory, it kind of stays and it, and it kind of won me over. And some of the filmmaking is very nice. Um, there's a lot of really nice shots of Jamie skateboarding. Like it's mm-hmm. really nice tracking shots. And it, I do admire how tightly constructed the film is, which is yeah. why I think the the best original screenplay nod makes sense. Yeah. Um, but um, if you look at the best actress nominees this year, do you think that Annette Bening deserves a place? Yeah, I mean, I think that she does a spectacular job in this film, and I actually mm-hmm. think that all of the performances in this film are quite good, with the exception probably of Elle Fanning, who mm-hmm. I have not yet been won over by I thought she was excellent in Super 8 uh, but I just recently watched The Neon Demon uh, <laughs> as well which is a Nicholas Winding Refn film and she right. uh, she actually I mean she she was good in that in that the, the film demanded of her you know to act like a, a model which is to say to not, not uh, emote terribly much and not to uh, give a, 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 a performance with a lot of breadth mm-hmm. to it. Um, and I, 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 you could even say that that's sort of Nicholas Winning Refn's style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does, right. He right. doesn't uh, go in for the, the high melodrama. Um, or at least not in terms of the performances. But uh, in this film, I think that the, the... I mean, Mike Mills, as a director, is capable of getting extraordinary performances out of his actors as we've seen in beginners mm-hmm. uh, before this uh, Christopher Plummer was nominated for Academy Award uh, he won won that Academy Award and uh, rightly so I mean he was he was magnificent in that film mm-hmm. uh, and I, I really like the performances here I think that Annette Benning is deserving I think she could easily be up there and Annette Benning is somebody that I'm not always crazy about. Um, right. Not all of her performances do I think are, are really great performances, but I think that this is one of those performances. There were a few moments in this film that were just like, just sort of took my breath away in terms of how nuanced her performance was, her 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 reactions to to something that somebody might say to her. Or I, I uh, think I wonder if you have the same thing in <laughs> mind. There's one moment in particular that I'm thinking of, yeah, a reaction yeah. on her part, yeah, yeah. when she's at work in the break room. Oh yeah. And one of her male coworkers comes up and, and asks her out. 
Mm-hmm. And at first she's kind of, you know, charmed and, and she's like, you know, maybe even a little bit flattered. And then she's she's agreeable to it. And then he says, yeah, a bunch of the guys thought you were a lesbian, but I guess that's not true. Yeah. And then and then her reaction and the fact that she doesn't like cuss him out. But you can see in her face that the she's disappointed, disappointed. The, yeah. Uh, but yet not so disappointed that she's going to turn down the date. Yeah. Yeah. For me, one of the one of the most striking moments that she had is uh, one of the one of the 20th century women who is living in her house. Uh, the one played by Greta Gerwig uh, mm-hmm. has relayed information to her that she's received from the doctor. Not great information about the possibility of her having children in the future. And she's asked her question about was having your child, the most amazing thing that happened in your life. And there's this absolutely heartbreakingly, incredibly beautiful moment <laughs> where she says, yes, it was, I'm sorry. You know, and she, and she, it's this like wonderfully empathetic, but truthful and honest moment. It just like, it just blew me away how, yeah. you know, and, 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 and there's nothing, there's no tricks going on here. Um, uh, cinematically speaking, there's right. nothing that's being done to elicit a, a further reaction from us. There's no swelling score. There's no cuts to to manipulate our emotions. It's just Annette Benning's performance. Mm. That's all it is. And and it, and and those moments, I mean there there were I could probably count like 10 or 15 moments in the film just like that where there were just these beautiful subtle moments where she turned in an excellent performance. So that's sort of the long way around to answer your question. Do I think she deserves a nomination? Absolutely. So you, do you think that she deserves it over Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Well, having not seen Florence <laughs> Foster Jenkins yet. Oh, you're going to take the high road. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> do I think that the institutions that hand out awards tend to over laud Meryl Streep? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, she's, she gets nominated no matter what she does anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, she got nominated for into the woods. Yeah. What? Yeah, I can't even, I, I don't even understand. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, she could easily take that place. I mean, there's also the case to be made that Viola Davis should be competing in uh, the actress category. So, that was her preference, though. She actually. I know, I know, yeah. because she had a better chance of winning in, in the supporting actor category. I, I understand that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, actress this year is kind of a weird category. I think another thing that was working against Net Bending is that it's overall I would classify this movie as a comedy. I mean, it's, it's as I mentioned, it's bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, it's a, but yeah. but she she often gets laughs. She also has these heartbreaking moments. But I think a really good comedy also has its fair share of pathos. And when she was nominated for the Golden Globe, it was in the category of a comedy or musical. And that's the sad thing about transitioning from the golden globes to the oscars is you have to pare it down a lot of movies get left yeah. behind yeah and so she was one of the ones who got left behind yeah um, which is but, a uh, yeah. bummer it's a bummer to be I certain thought she was she was very good and she was very nuanced and uh i thought that she smokes in nearly every scene <laughs> yeah. and the smoking actually becomes an integral part of her performance. Yeah. And it also, not only that, it, it is wrapped up in her entire fate, uh, yeah. by the end of the film. 
Um, and she, I think she commanded the cigarette beautifully. <laughs> yeah. So. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I would also say, uh, as far as the other performances go, uh, this was the first time that I really, really liked Greta Gerwig a lot. I, yeah, you didn't like Greta Gerwig before. No, I've never really been a big fan. Of course, I haven't seen Frances Ha, which everybody says is the sort of tour de force performance by her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I've never been a, a huge fan, and I thought she was so good in this. I thought Billy Crudup was magnificent mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, and I thought that Lucas Jade Zuman, who played Jamie, uh, Dorothea's son, yeah. was awesome. I thought mm-hmm. he was a revelation, like a young, uh, talented actor. I mean, he's, you know, couldn't be more than 14 or 15, probably tops. Yeah. Right? Um, I thought he was excellent, too. I think he really I could tell that he was listening to his fellow actors. Yeah. And reacting. Um, he was he was good. He was very good. Yeah. I and think I, I all around the impressed. movie is is quite accomplished. I think the acting is all around mm-hmm. good. The writing is sharp. The directing yeah. is. I think the directing. I think he, I think Mike Mills is a writer first and then a director. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. Um, uh, but the period details are uh, convincing and transporting. Mm-hmm. And and yet when it comes to the music, you know, you mentioned <laughs> the music. You mentioned me and music. And yeah. if the film did not have as many awesome songs as it did and i'm gonna go ahead and say i like black flag and talking heads yeah yeah i know i was sitting there and i was like maybe the lens of history is a different thing man because i can't imagine not liking both of those bands yeah um yeah without the music it would have been a different animal it would have been a different experience yeah so i I do have to say that when the end credits start rolling uh it's it's playing a I don't I don't remember exactly what tune an old jazz tune uh, as the credits start to roll and then immediately uh, why can't I touch it by the Buzzcocks starts playing mm-hmm. and I just like got like filled with so much energy and these two <laughs> other guys who were in the theater with me just started like swinging back and forth in their seats and rocking out really hard and I was like yes <laughs> yes this is great. That's what I do whenever I listen to that song at home. It's just it's, that, oh my god, one of the best bass lines ever. Definitely. Ever one of the best. I mean, that's a that's like a perfect song as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and it was actually interesting to hear that song and then sort of think about the Buzzcocks and and how much of an influence bands like the Talking Heads and the sort of arrival of new wave might have had on their sound because that was late mm-hmm. Buzzcocks or late. Ooh, I think it was still like '78 or '79. Yeah, but it was it was later. It was not when they started out. They were they like were just much pure more punk. Like aggressive punks. Yeah, like yeah. their first single, "Orgasm Addict," is like a minute and a half, and well, super orgasm addict. Super aggressive, super super sharp. Yeah. yeah, the actual full version of "Why Can't I Touch It" is over six minutes long. Yeah, I mean, it's like a it's not a typical punk song. But yeah. I, think, I think they played the seven, full version of it over that, the credits. Yeah, the, by that time, you know punk was now post-punk it was london calling was true, happening true the clash punk had, had changed music but it was no longer the same you know well yep. Yep. yeah you know we like music here so <laughs> uh, overall um i like 20th century women i think it's a it's a good film and it deserves to be seen and yeah the first time that i checked it out on imdb 
it had a lower rating than what it has now, so I'm thinking it's going to climb up little by little. Yeah, I hope um, so. So yeah, I think it's and uh, and once again, Annette Benning. Annette Benning has lost the Oscar twice to Hilary Swank. Yeah, which is crazy. Isn't that wild? That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think she should have won for American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that. That's a she's that's a great performance. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this is a really good film too, and I do think it deserves to be seen. I think this one is an unfortunate casualty of programming. Uh, it got sort of dropped in with a bunch of other high profile releases and it didn't really get its due. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this probably would have done better had it been released maybe earlier in the year or something like that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it is what it is, um, and I'm hoping that it'll have a life, uh, not only because of our podcast, which obviously <laughs> reaches wide swaths of people, <laughs> but yeah, but also uh, just, you know, uh, I, I imagine this will be one of those ones that picks up a lot of steam once people start to be able to watch it on Netflix and Amazon and, you know, can get their hands on it. But I, I recommend it. I think it's a good film. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great character study, and... Uh, yeah, I I, I would I, I'm curious to see what Mike Mills does next. Yeah, that's a good point because he's he's mined the territory of his past a couple times. Yeah, where does he go from here? What does he do now? Yeah. Stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be a listener's choice, and uh, we're going to talk about the new Oscar-nominated documentary Thirteenth yes. from Ava DuVernay. So join us for that episode, and we'll catch you later. See you then.